0: Welcome to the Coffee with Kareem podcast, this is Kareem Sirajuddin, closing out the month of March 2018, also Women's Month, and uh, last guest I'm having on for this month's theme is a personal friend of mine, her name is Hanan Rashid, aka Auntie Hanan, incredible woman, mashallah, she is just a wonder woman, let's say that, and I'm really happy to have her on the show today for you guys to learn more about the amazing work she does. Welcome to Coffee with Kareem. Today I have the wonderful Hanan Rashid. She is originally from Palestine. She's a community builder and one of my favorite local aunties. We met several years back volunteering together at some of our local organizations and Auntie Hanan is one of these individuals that is just non-stop working and serving family woman all of the above uh, she has an amazing energy and power and during women's month i wanted to get her on so we can learn more about her story auntie Henan, thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me so there's so many things to talk about i mean i know you're very active with um the cause for palestine you're a community builder um, you engage in interfaith uh, events And there's just so many things on your resume, mashallah, but why don't you tell us a bit more about what you do and and why you do it?
1: Um, Well, being a woman, being a Palestinian, being a mother, uh, you kind of can't get away from doing activities or, you know, standing for people who maybe can't stand up for themselves or giving a voice to people maybe who can't voice uh, their opinions or ask for the rights. So... Um, I first started actually being a pal- an activist for the uh, cause of the Palestinians and uh, took it from there and evolved, and then it became uh, through the dialogue for the Palestinians and uh, Jewish community and Israel community in the Bay Area. And then it uh, developed into uh, interfaith, which we all need to know about each other's faiths. That's how maybe we can clean that xenophobia we have from each other. And... Um, You know, I raised four empowered daughters, so I started speaking about empowering young girls and uh, women, especially, like, empowering myself since I came in at a very, very young age to the U.S. And um, everything kind of got entwined, and, you know, the wind takes you where you need to be. And subhanAllah, I'm grateful that I have the energy, the opportunity, the time. Um, I do have the passion to... uh, do these things. So, and the support, of course, from uh, the household, which is awesome. You know, everyone supports me into, you know, my activities. So, alhamdulillah, it's been a long time. I've been doing various stuff, but they all kind of like come back and feed into the same thing, which is, you know, helping others, empowering others, uh, um, especially the women, Um, So yeah, that's how everything kind of started rolling
0: (laughs) Masha'Allah, no that's great So tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing You're always doing something exciting Usually (laughs) has some good food involved So why don't you tell us more about some of your current projects, Auntie Hina?
1: Alhamdulillah, yes, uh, I am a foodie And uh, again, being a Palestinian uh, from a small town It used to be a village when I was growing up Now... They insist on me calling it a town. So it's a beautiful town and with very generous people. And so we've always, uh, you know, Arabs, we host with food and food that's at every table, whether it's a, a happy or a sad occasion or a non-occasion. So food is always there. And uh, the latest one actually started two years ago. Uh, and I thought about it uh, in the middle of Ramadan, I think maybe two, 2015, actually. So it'll be three years ago. And and I thought about, you know, living in Berkeley and I love going to Berkeley and walking around Berkeley and I see the People's Park. And, you know, I do what I can and like maybe one person, maybe two people that day might, you know, buy a meal or uh, maybe a bottle of water. And in Ramadan, I said, you know, I kind of like don't appreciate how sometimes people just come into the People's Park and give them like maybe leftovers or give them something that they don't necessarily like to eat and I said I I'm about empowering I'm about I'm about making people feel good about themselves because I do like people making me feel good about myself I like people there was people along the way helping me and empowering me so I just want to give back to the community so I started something which had with food and a people park which uh, I would cook twice in Ramadan at our high holidays, you know, the night of power after in Ramadan, and then I would do it at the night of Arafah before Hajj. I would just cook every wonderful and good-looking meal that my kids enjoyed and us in the family. And I would take my beautiful tablecloth, a bouquet of flour, my vase, my good uh, platters, And I would, you know, park my car right there and ask them to come and help me. So there I'm like teaching them that I'm not afraid of you. I do trust you. Here's the car to my keys. Come help me unload. First time I went, one guy came to me and he said, "Uh, what are you doing here? I said, I'm actually having a dinner party. He said, you do know that this this is the people's park, which for people who don't know, it's the homeless park, but we like to call it the people's park. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, yes, I do. And he said, and who are your guests? I said, you are. So I enlisted two, three people. One, wow. to grab things from the car. Two, to stand at the table till I set it up beautifully. And then uh, the same one who was watching my car, I had him go invite everyone. So we had 85 people come in and eat. And I taught them about that I do respect you. I don't fear you. I had them serve me and I served them. I had them stand in line. I, we did a prayer and I said, whoever has a prayer... In any denomination, I'm not here like uh, preaching Islam because uh, subhanAllah, I'm still learning my Islam. We never end, you know, we never stop learning. Right. And I said, whichever way you want to uh, break into the table, how we start, I always like to give grace and, you know, grateful for God for providing this and providing me the opportunity to be among you today. So everybody said it in their way and in their beliefs. And then I interviewed them, you know, what what did this do to them? And then I spoke, of course, the subject comes, where are you from? Because of my accent. And I, I love that. I, I mean, I adore having an accent because that's, a, <laughs> again, a segue to people getting to know you and knowing about each other and building those bridges. And I'm like, of course, Palestine. And then, it, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, tonight is a night of power, a little Qadr. And so, I, so they learned a few highlights about Muslim and Islam and Palestinians and Arab and humanity in general, that we are the same and I had people like walk by who go to the university, like just astonished, like, what is this? And I'm like, this is, you know, we're having a party here tonight. So that's how we started three years ago. Then from, I still do that twice a year. So I call it healing and healing is kind uh, yeah. of in any form, not just physical healing. We do need healing daily. That's why when you're sick, you have chicken soup, you know, you have hot water with lemon, and so I carried it to where it became to be called um, my healing table. And uh, my healing table, like I said, it it's, uh, ails anyone. If you're having a bad day, if uh, a woman just gave a birth, I would make the soup and go visit her because I am come from a community that takes care of the new mom for 40 days. No one leaves her side from the community. You don't see that here. Yeah. Um, like somebody, I hear somebody's sick. You take something and you go. And then I carried it over, of course, uh, subhanAllah, being a Palestinian, yeah, I can't get away from that. I brought it back to my dialogue and my interfaith and uh, Palestine and Israel. And so the first official uh, event, uh, which we did April of 2017, exactly last year, at the NYU uh, University campus. And um, I met this wonderful guy Young guy. And, you know, you know me, Karim. I adopt anyone under yeah. the age of 40 because of, uh, <laughs> whoever is younger than my son, I adopt them. So this kid walked into the cafe where I was sitting here in the village and he reminded me of my nephews. And I looked at him. I smiled. He smiled. And then he came to the table and he said, hello. And I said, Subhanallah, you remind me of one of my nephews. And when I said Subhanallah, he said, ah, where are you from? I said, Palestine. He said, what's your name? I said, Hanan. He said, Hanan. I said, oh, okay, you're my cousin. Then he looked at me, I said, oh, we're cousins. You're Israeli? He said, yeah, you know, I'm doing my master's in NYU. So we sat and we talked and then another person got involved who was doing similar things with food and collaboration. And we came up with my healing table, which is, I said, I want to cook something that your, your culture and my culture is familiar with, which is the shakshuka. Um, in North, in northern Africa, they call it shakshuka. I know coming from Ramallah area, we call it uh, Kalait bandura, which is the tom- fried tomato with eggs. I said, do you know how to make shakshuka? His name is Itamar. He said, yes, I do. I'm like, okay, you're on. So Whole Foods supported us. This girl put it all together because of her project, too, doing her master's in food and uh, dialogue. And uh, we cooked the shakshuka because I wanted to show the audience the similarities between the Palestinians and Israelis, rather than all what we see on TV, how they like to always you know, pull us apart and against each other. And it was very successful, so I'm carrying it to other things and other areas. Again, not just uh, between the Palestinians and Israelis. Anybody that has an ailment or something, or love for food, love for a conversation, love for knowing uh, others and other people. I'm there with my food. And you know me, I love to cook. I love to host. So, yeah, that's what I'm currently doing, and that's what I'm doing in in, uh, New York. Um, Actually, we have a date to do it at the United Nations building um, with other people, not necessarily the UN, but it's going to be in that building, and we're going to choose which other dish we're going to do. So, yeah, alhamdulillah, I'm very happy and grateful that I could do that. It's
0: very rewarding. Mashallah, that's amazing. So tell us, tell us more about, you know, you use the word empowerment, and it's you empowered your daughters, you're definitely, you know, see yourself as an empowered woman. And this is one of your uh, calling as well is to help empower Muslim women to become the best women, human beings, believers they can be. Can you tell us more about what exactly becoming empowered means to you? And how can women start to cultivate this within themselves?
1: Yeah, I do believe that I hope a lot of women are out there listening and can hear this, that just being a woman, you know you're empowered. You're a woman who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God chose you to give the birth to humanity. So in that sense itself, since life started and our belief started, every woman should feel empowered that she was chosen by Allah, and we have an amazing, wonderful status in Islam as women. Alhamdulillah for that, because of our Islam, our teaching, our prophet. So for that, you know, that's how we should start our core. And then to me, empowerment is like, you know, just being comfortable in your own skin and having confidence in yourself, uh, you know, being passionate about something, standing up for it, and, you know, mastering a skill that you're... uh, passionate about or, you know, uh, you know, some women have access to education. I do urge and I do advise that education is an amazing tool for anyone, especially women. But, you know, some people maybe don't uh, feel that or some people don't have the means or the ways to, you know, go get the education. So you can always self-educate yourself. You can always um, you know, and for me coming, I came to the United States at the age of 14 and uh, there was nobody here, like from my family
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't speak the English that uh, truly bothered me as much as my dream was to, uh, come to the U S and I drummed it possibly from the age of nine that I wanted to come to the U S that I wanted to speak the English. I, so coming here at a young age and not having a community and not having family or, uh you know this telecommunication that now we have at our fingertip I was really isolated and felt alone and I had no confidence I mean what kind of confidence can you have at 14 years old and Mm. you know married and I'm actually I was married so that's the kind of clincher yeah that I, I I was married and then you know then months later when I arrived I did find out that I was pregnant so there you go. I am a baby in a foreign country having a baby, not speaking English, not having any tools or community whatsoever. So I had to start empowering myself. And for me, empowering myself started with teaching myself the English. Again, there wasn't anybody teaching you English at that time. There was no community centers uh, that I can go, you know, um, communicate to them that I don't speak English, uh, bilingual like community centers, Arabic and English. So I didn't have that handy. I didn't have, like, now you have the Rosetta Stone. You can go on Google and you You could teach yourself a few words to get by. I I didn't have any of that. So I had to start teaching myself the English, which when I hear a word in English that resonated in my mind or I catch it, I would uh, phonetically write it, you know, phonetically write it in Arabic. And so once I write it in Arabic, I would go back to that uh, handy-dandy English dictionary that they arm you with when you leave home. Right. And I would translate and, you know, By a year, I was making sentences. But the first time I was asked to say hello, I mean, hi, not even hello, hi, to someone, my husband said, say hi. And uh, it took me like five minutes and I refused. I had my head, I covered my mouth and I shook my head. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, no way. I I couldn't say hi. And so for me, uh, empowering myself, I learned English. The other obstacle I had is... Uh, you know, I came in, of course, they're expected me to know how to cook, to cook. There were only men here, my father-in-law, my husband, some of the family. So I, um, I didn't have any skills to show that I was mature enough or ready enough for marriage, which
0: I truly wasn't. Yeah,
1: <laughs> No one should be ready for marriage at the age of 14. Absolutely not. There's an X on that.
0: Some people aren't ready for <laughs> marriage at age 42. Uh,
1: yeah, and I believe, and that's okay, you know, and that's okay. Marriage is really, I want to say it's hard. It's something you work on daily, momentarily. It's not something that you master one day and it's enough for the rest of your life. It's, right. it's too, you know, so anyways, I had to... Um, make it my uh, mission kind of like in my project to teach myself how to cook because I didn't like how people perceived me that I wasn't uh, smart enough or intelligent enough because I didn't speak the English or cook, which is ridiculous that you can measure someone or judge them on that. But that was the stick that I was measured by in 1973. Uh, she didn't speak English, so therefore she's not intelligent. She didn't know how to cook, therefore she is not capable of anything. And, you know, so I had to master these two things. So Alhamdulillah, that's how I empowered myself. And then as having four uh, daughters, I just kept on going, you know, getting involved in my, uh, not not the Muslim and Arab community, because there was none at that time, not far, maybe in San Francisco, which is far from us, about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. It wasn't like I have to go, you know, I can go every day and be with the community. But I had to. I got involved in their local school, on the PTA level, in their uh, sports teams. I was a class mother or the team mother. Um, you know, uh, I, again, voting in the U.S. Uh, I was so happy when I, you know, I turned 18 and I can't vote. Uh, when I got my citizenship and I passed my test. These are like things that give you confidence Amazing. and make you. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So, yeah.
0: No, that's great. So if I were to just kind of pick your brain a bit more, on Hanan, if you were to give some of our younger sisters advice about their future marriages, inshallah, or if they're currently married, um, I mean, you've seen a lot happen in, in, in your lifetime, um, not because you're old, but because <laughs> yeah, you've just, <laughs> because you've seen, you know, you've just, mashallah, been so active and just seen so much and interacted with so many different communities. But I mean, I feel like you carry a lot of wisdom that we could definitely benefit from. So I mean, do you have any uh tips or advice for our sisters out there that are looking to get married or are currently married maybe some of the the jewels that you have um of after years of of marriage and having a big family and helping all your children and grandchildren and i think there's just i want to squeeze some gems out of you you're not going to get away (laughs) (laughs) without without sharing some so
1: (laughs) well you're you're too kind uh, for saying that and i i thank you I, i am you know i am my son is over 40 so i am Older, I'm fifty-eight. If you do the math, um, again, it's going to go back to our, uh, uh, you know, daughters, sisters being empowered. Like you asked about the Muslim woman, which is, you know, having the community, having a community and the support system, whether it's a physical safe space that these girls can go to uh, to say what's on their mind and to kind of vent and uh, to have nobody judging them. You know, we as women, as women in general. We get upset about being judged. Can you imagine women, Arab, Muslim? That's kind of like a, you know, triple whammy here.
0: Right. So
1: you need people to kind of have those community centers available and the spaces available. Like I said, again, I'm going to go back to the marriage question. Don't worry. I'm going to tie it up. Uh, getting involved on, not only in your Muslim and Arab community, but in your uh, um, town, in your city, in your country. Um Uh, again, is the education, I would say, for them, these girls who want to uh, finish the education first, I would say. You are into education or whatever you want to learn, master in life, I would say do that, finish that before you take on the responsibility of becoming a wife or somebody else's other, right? Um, if you become a mom, I urge all the moms, you know, like raising them these young boys to grow up to be our supporters and our allies and our champions for women's rights, you know, all over, yeah. not just in the community. Um, on marriage, I'm going to say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, I believe that... Uh, It's fate, and I believe it's set for you. That's my belief, you know, like before you're born. And Allah knows the plan better than you, and He knows who He sends you. Um, Arm yourself, you know. You just, like uh, they say, Mm. So uh, education in whichever field. Not necessarily she has to be a PhD to go get married, but be aware. Be aware of, uh, uh, you know, your social things that are happening around you, in the country, in your faith, in your community so be strong like arm yourself to be strong to withstand anything because like I said marriage is really a hard a hard thing it's something you work on every day it needs patience it needs tolerance it needs uh, a lot of love and not judge you can't judge the other and uh, I'm you know I'm of course I'm human I'm guilty of doing all the opposite and uh, you're going to have ups and downs but I've learned throughout the years I learned throughout the years that, you know, this is the card that God meant for me. This is this is how Allah wants my, my path to be. He knows better than I am. And so you make the best of it. You, um, you just have to be, uh, the communication skill is very important. If you don't know how to communicate with your other, it's going to be like a disaster. Because uh, men and women communicate differently. Like a, a man, when he gets upset, like I heard on one of your podcasts and I loved it. Uh, where he was saying to you that uh, uh, the man, when he gets upset, I agree with that. He wants his space. He wants to be left alone. And, you know, maybe go, you know, just sit there, watch a football game or a base. Uh, a woman, when she gets upset, uh, she wants someone to hold her because she wants to cry. She wants to, want to validate her. So it's really getting to know the other person is very, very important before you agree to the marriage or before you choose your mate. Uh, knowing his family is very important sometimes you hear people saying some of my people like a arab people say oh she's not marrying the family la she is marrying the family she is gonna have to uh, in order for her to respect him and respect his children these are his these are the other side of his you know children's uh, family so knowing the family knowing uh, if you can live with these people if you if you agree if you're I, even though if you're from the same town you have different ideas you have different opinions you have different habits and uh, different expectations and i think knowing the people that you're going to be part of their family and their household especially the person the husband or the wife is very very important are they fun uh, you're gonna have fun with these people. Are they really strict? Are they are they like they just like to sit and go anywhere? Are they adventurous? Are they educated? Can they support you if you don't want to work? Uh, will will he be upset or she upset if you have a better job than them or make more money than them? This confidence, this you know, it's gonna all go back to love and respect. If people love each other enough and respect enough, I think you, they can weather anything and. I'm telling you, uh, man, I, I did weather a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I say, Alhamdulillah, I always say, you look at look at look how you know, Alhamdulillah. Because of maybe I got married at 14. Because of that, I came and no one was here really to hold my hand or cook for me or teach me. Because my family did let me go at the age of 14. You know, I want to be clear. It wasn't like it was uh, something uh, unusual for my family because my other sisters did not get married at, thir- at 14. They married after at. High school, or at least a year of college, and uh, they stayed close to my family. I was the one that I left far. I mean, not just far in the tribe, in the in the within the town. I left to America, so I was so like removed from the family at uh, fourteen. Sometimes when I'm like having a bad day or something, I'm like, man, it feels like a, abandonment. But I don't want to think like that. I, I'm a positive person. And I'd say, alhamdulillah, you know, thank God I did come to America. I did learn English. I did uh, have amazing, five amazing children. So, you know, if you want to look at the bright side, I'm looking at multiple bright sides. My amazing children. Uh, my husband is, is not strict like, let's say, like the other uh, Muslim men who come like from a village. I really did. If I went I went back to school and did some schooling, did, you know, finished my high school, then I did uh, about a year and a half like a community college. There was a class I was with my daughter in law and my daughter doing women's psychology. So he's not like the traditional Muslim man that said, no, you have to stay home and cook and clean. No, you know, he had his moments, or a lot of moments. But uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me patience and. Uh, gave me five amazing children and eight grandchildren so far that I'm truly grateful and blessed
0: for that. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much, Auntie Hanan for that um, that advice. And those are certainly some good reminders. Um, I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that, uh, as you said, Allah SWT created the male and the female to complement each other. We have different gifts and we are supposed to work together to be a stronger team and i think sometimes you know one side may devalue the role or the power of the other especially in our times or even in past times obviously with when people were more you know anti this gender anti that gender we know historically we've uh, had a lot of blocks or hurdles that we've gotten over as a community
1: so yeah sisters may allah make it easy and may allah send them Wonderful men who respect their mothers and you always say, you know, the son that loves his mother will always love his wife and daughters. And you might want to look for that. Not a mama's boy because it could get to be too much. But someone who has respect for women already before he meets her, then you'll know you're dealing with someone from good roots, class. You want him to be educated. You want him to be dependent financially on himself because you don't want to be you don't want that family to own you like every time they give him money that you have to answer for what you did with it it's a big point a big big thing in our community he needs to be independent he needs to be loving gentle he has iman dean etiquette class adab you name it uh, you know not so much of, a bit of girls sometimes say i want him to be six feet tall speak a few languages No. And that, you know, materialistic stuff and uh, physical look is not important to me uh, right now, after all this wisdom, is the roots, uh, the love there is in that family, the respect that they show, the Iman, uh, that's it, that's, that's, uh, alhamdulillah, inshallah, Allah will send everybody the right uh, person for them to spend a wonderful life together.
0: I mean, mean. Auntie Hanan, are you ready for Kareem's five fun questions?
1: Wallahi, I'm going to be because I trust you, so go ahead.
0: (laughs) Question number one, if you could be any animal for a day, which one would you try?
1: I think I'd like to be a rabbit. I'll tell you why.
0: Huh. Mm -hmm, Yeah, I know.
1: I I contemplated like now, like, do I want to be a dove or do I want to be a rabbit? So... I think a rabbit. Why? Because rabbits, I as I was growing up, my father had, you know, we had a lot of land around the house. So we had our own gardens and orchards and he had some chickens and we had rabbits. And so I grew up seeing these wonderful creatures in the garden, eating, nibbling on whatever my father was uh, harvesting that uh, season. And, you know, they always looked so, they don't bother anybody. They don't scare anybody. Uh, for me, they represented like something new because you would see them at the beginning of spring, green. Uh, spring is here. Um, I see them always in the earth again, eating these organic vegetables that we had. And then um, I'm a little superstitious. Till today, when I see a rabbit, I'm like, "Ha, huh, good luck is coming. <laughs> you know. So they represent abundance and good luck for me.
0: So, nice. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> Okay, question number two. If you could have a cup of coffee with Oprah or Michelle Obama, which one would you choose?
1: Oh, wow. Why can't I have both? Why do I have to choose? Uh. <laughs> um, I love both. You know, I love both. Uh, Michelle Obama is amazing. And she sees, she's going to be growing even more into amazement and how she raised her daughters, and I loved her as our first lady. Yeah. But I would choose Oprah because Oprah, I feel like we're in, uh, closer in age. She was born in 1954. I was born in 1959. And I knew Oprah longer than Michelle, mm-hmm. I have to say, because uh, Oprah, I started watching her back, I think, in the 80s. And since the time I started watching her on her TV, I just became mesmerized and fascinated by her and how she carried herself. I know from her stories and her uh, watching her and listening to her, she did go through struggles, you know, which makes me identify with that. We all go through struggles. Nothing is handed to us. So certainly Oprah didn't have anything handed to her. She did work very hard for her um, success. Mm -hmm. Um, Mashallah, I know that, you know, uh, the way we look at her now, she did prevail and she did uh, overcome all these obstacles. And her success to me is not only like... um, really shows the true success because it wasn't only like she was, you know, rising just for herself and doing stuff for herself. She really brought others along the way on her journey and she empowered other people. Uh, You know, she has amazing contributions to society, um, especially to women and young girls here in America and around the world. She empowers uh, by uh, awarding a lot of money and grants and uh, building organizations in her name, uh, to support the, the women in education and uh, women and children, families, empowerment and uh, feeding people and just giving people a, a sense of uh, belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of sh- and, you know, she's to me a true role model and a humanitarian. And I always, every time I listen to her, I listen to her um, meditation with Chobra and I love them.
0: Mm.
1: Her message is always of empathy, support and love. And, and you know, I, we need more of that. We need more love. We need more empathy, more understanding for each other. Um, and I, I I adore her. I did meet her, just to say. That was a, a third thing on my bucket list. Oh, the nice. English, the cooking. I did meet her. Uh, one of my daughters had a client uh, who knew her very well. He was the president of the Art Institute in uh, Chicago, it's called Columbia Art Institute. And he was a client of my daughter at her uh, firm. And, uh, she, he said, ah, you know, Oprah. And she said, Oh my God, mom, 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 mom's she needs, she wants, she'll go crazy if she knows, you know, he says, Oh, okay. So we, he hosted us and we got front row seats to one of her shows with Jane Fonda. And I have to say as much as she's amazing on the screen. And if you listen to her, her voice is so soothing. She is astonishing in person. She's stunning. And, uh, Inside and out, mashallah. If someone, I mean, she's really uh, kind of like a metaphor for me to say, look at this person and uh, the life she had was given to her and wh- how she turned it around and made it not only better for her, better for women and society and community at large.
0: Mashallah. All right. Question number three If you could only eat one type of carb for the rest of your life, which one would you choose?
1: Very easy. Being a Palestinian, raised in a village, uh, bread, Mm -hmm. where uh, we didn't have at that time. Now, you know, they're self-sustainable, so they have bakeries and stuff in our town. But back then, uh, my mom would make the bread daily. And so I would wake up before I go to school to the smell of bread. Nice. And through walking, you know, to the girls' school, which was in the end of town, Uh, You walk by all these houses who are doing the same thing, baking their bread. And the smell of bread gets like ingrained and imprinted in your brain. You know, it's like, you know, uh, memory by association. It's like by smell. And then uh, one of my mom's aunts had what we call taboon. I think you have backgrounds of uh, Egyptians. So they have the taboon. I seen it when I went to Egypt, which is the outdoor clay oven that yeah. you bake your bread. so we used to when my mom couldn't like bake it we would uh, my elder sisters would do the dough and we, i would carry it and go to my mom's aunt her name was Nijma rahimahullah. and she would make for us the bake the bread or stuff it with the meat or even crack an egg and bake it inside it amazing stuff and so uh, that smell and how i grew up on that is for always oh, and actually till today when i want to like uh When I balloon up in my weight, I'm like, oh, God, I got to give up bread. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, bread, home-baked bread. I advocate for that.
0: I remember that reminds me of a story once I was working at um, uh, an Islamic school back in New England. And uh, they used to always have, you know, baked goods in the morning, like croissants, muffins and this. And so I was one morning when I was feeling very, you know, big and bloated. And uh, beyond my, my comfort zone uh, One of the teachers is like Brother Karim, please take a muffin I'm like, sister, I am a muffin I don't need to eat more muffins uh,
1: You're not, you're not I do, you know Kareem and you know that You know I love going on retreats And I love going, like uh, doing my um, silent uh, retreats And there was one, uh, subhanAllah That in the morning uh, After you sit for an hour without speaking Which is very hard for me too I had to start uh, teaching myself to sit for an hour without moving or coughing or sneezing or and sit there and then after that you come out to the smell of the fresh baked bread and muffins mm. oh my god it's like i'm like see it, it is a treat every culture thinks of it as a treat not just in my town so yeah, yeah I, something I, about, about baked
0: goods subhanallah yeah for comfort food totally totally yeah <laughs> all right question number four if you could be a master of any language besides arabic or english which one would you choose
1: ah uh, another it, another easy one italian
0: interesting Italia.
1: italian um i identify with the italian people maybe you know more um you know, they're all about love, they're all about family. Um, Italian, I don't know. For me, we went to Italy actually. My one of my daughters got married in Italy, this one who got married to the Irani, and we spent there two weeks. Beautiful, and uh, the, 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 the country, and uh, we felt so welcomed. And they were so they'll say good morning to you. It's not like you know, it's like even in New York, I'm in New York and I could walk for 10 miles and no one looks up and says hi. And if you ask someone for direction, they're like, oh, sorry, I don't, I'm not from here. You know, in your own country, in the U.S. Uh, uh, when I go to Palestine, not everyone that I pass by in, in Ramallah or Quds that says hello, you know, people just go by their business. But when we went to Italy for two weeks. Everyone from the coffee shop—they would welcome us and, and make the coffee without us asking. Again, the bread was delivered uh, to the uh, to the villa we rented for those two weeks for the wedding. Um, their language—they seem to be at ease. You know, they're not uptight, and they like food. I like food. <laughs> the the food is amazing. The pasta, again, the bread. You know, so I, I like I like I like them. I like I have a few friends who are Italians and. They seem to always be at ease and always just uh, hugging you, giving you love. <laughs> wonderful,
0: wonderful. All right, and your last question, question number five. If you could have any superhero power, which one would you want? Superhero power or superpower? So, yeah, superpower, any type of superpower. So there's there's
1: two. I can, I, I'm going to tell you. I'm sure. going to tell you. If it was a superpower... You know, that subhanahu wa ta'ala said, ah, oh, no, we're going to choose Hanan. Her name is compassion. She likes people. She's, she likes healing. Um, I would choose this healing power mm. So I, because I don't like to see anyone in pain. So I would take that away, even though subhanahu wa ta'ala, he takes all the hardship and the pain away. But if you're going to say to me, Super hero power, then I would choose the other person that I started watching when I came to the yes, which is Wonder Woman. Ah, <laughs> And uh, Wonder Woman, I started watching her in the 80s. And I think at that time, Linda Carter was. And she's a beautiful person without even putting on the customers. And, you know, for me, too, again, I was um, maybe later on in years, I thought maybe liking that, liking her, again, it's like a metaphor. It's, it's She's a woman and she had these superpowers. Don't all women have the superpowers? Aren't we mm-hmm. all... As wonder women, women, always, you know, doing things, uh, multitasking, we're the, like the strong multitasking force, we're the backbone of the house, uh, you know, so for me, taking it as that, that we're already as women, we're doing, we are wonder women, we are super women, right. because you get up in the morning, you do the breakfast for the kids, you drive him to school, you go, if you have a job or you're going to school or if you're doing something. They come back you take care of the house you cook you're all you always have to be at your best game you have to be the positive and the nurturer so for me subhanallah i mean i'm i'm all for the sisters we're all wonder Womans in our own way and uh, yeah so i would want to be wonder woman kareem
0: i don't I know if it. i can
1: wear her outfit in islam i might have to a abaya <laughs> Even though, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm but uh, I, uh, I'm i modest, so I don't think I could wear her outside. The, the Muslim committee cannot know it's me. I have to be incognito.
0: Or wear a abaya. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Auntie Hanan, thank you so much for all your wisdom and sharing today and reminding us of what it means to be an empowered woman as someone who's in the journey herself and, and mashallah, accomplished so many things. It's It's been so nice to hear um, everything that you shared today and thanks again.
1: Thank you, Karim, And, uh, you know, I'm not done yet. I still have a lot of work to do, a daily teaching, but I really want to thank you too because we do need more men in our community. I'm going to speak... Just our small our Arab Muslim community that um, are, you know, welcoming and uh, encouraging the aunties and the sisters and the wife to be um, empowered and uh, cheering her on. And so that's what we need. We need our brothers to uh, step right next to us and uh, hold our hands if we need them. You know, it is incumbent on us to empower ourselves, but we do need the brothers' help to make sure that we are empowered. I mean. I
0: mean, thank you so By much. Bye, Kareem. Salaam. Kareem Sirajuddin here. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit nurhuman.com to learn more about how I provide personal spiritual and relationship counsel and growth. Don't forget to visit CoffeeWithKareem.com to see the latest news and updates about this podcast. Please generously help sponsor the show to keep on going at Patreon.com slash Coffee with Kareem. That's Patreon.com slash Coffee with Kareem.